This is episode 198 of Bella in Your Business. Hi there, I'm Bella Vaster from Jump Consulting. You might know me from CBS, NBC, Fox, Huffington Post, Entrepreneur, or maybe you've seen me speak on stage or read my book, The Four Dogs That Every Business Owner Needs. In any case, get ready because you're about to get your hashtag Bella butt kicking in this next episode of Bella in Your Business. So what do you say? Let's get ready and jump. Welcome to Bella in Your Business. My name is Bella Vasta. And today, all you boomers, I want you to listen up. This podcast episode is for you. I have Steve Dotto and his dog, Farley, if you're watching it, joining us right now. And Steve and I first met face to face. Steve doesn't know this, but I actually knew him a lot because of his amazing YouTube channel. But we actually sat across from each other and shared a dinner with, I don't know, 40 other people at the Thinkific dinner at Social yeah. Media Marketing World, one of the last conferences that were actually able to happen in 2020. We had a great conversation. I instantly fell in love with him in a very platonic way, of course. Um, but well, my wife was such, sitting next to us. So <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And I just wanted to bring him to you because I think that we talk so much about millennials or Gen X and Gen Z that we should really throw this one to the boomers. And there's no one else better than to talk other than Steve. Steve has made a name for himself on YouTube and in many other places by helping break down all these tech fears. So if you're out there and you're listening and you're like, oh my gosh, I hate choosing software for my company. I hate, what's the slack? What's all this new stuff that kids are doing? Steve really has a fun way to break it down and I'm sharing him with you today. So without further ado, welcome Steve. So, so exciting to be here. Thank you. <laughs> so let's start <clears throat> off. How do we define boomers? Let's just start off with the very basics right now. Well, I think, I think uh, kind of clinically baby boomers are people that were born uh, 19, uh, born before 1960, I think 1960 okay. or 61. So I was born in 1958. So I'm a baby boomer. We're getting older. We're getting <laughs> older. Yeah. I call them the gray zone because we all have, and now with the COVID, so many people are not coloring their hair that the gray zone is increasing dramatically. Yes. I love that. What a way to make lemonade out of lemons. What are the stereotypes about boomers? Uh, what do you hear a lot from them? The generational conflict for, for baby boomers. I mean, there are a lot of people who make it a kind of a political issue and a uh, and a generational friction issue. You know, baby boomers were selfish. We won't move out of the workplace. We haven't made way for other generations to work. As parents, we were terrible parents, of course. <laughs> My daughters tell me all the time what a terrible parent I was. But here's the thing. It's true that baby boomers have not moved out of the workplace. Mm -hmm. But in 1965, I would have been seven years old. In 1965, a man who retired at the age of 65, guess what his life expectancy was in 1965? Mm, like 80, 85? I don't know. I'm taking a guess. Four years. Four the average, years? The average male in North America died at the age of 69. Oh, gosh. Yes. Today, the average life expectancy is 29 years from uh -huh. 65. And that's growing because, well, current epidemic aside, but that's the actuarial table. So it's actually longer. Wow. So a man who retired in 1965 at 65 years old was at the end of the journey on average. Mm -hmm. So they, they didn't have 30 years ahead of them mm -hmm. to sit and twiddle their thumbs. Right. When my generation looks at retirement, 
at our age today, we say, wait a minute, I'm going to live for a lot longer. I don't want to step out of the game. I want to remain relevant. I still have something to give. Sometimes we can't afford to uh-huh. retire, but yeah. more often than not, we want to remain relevant. Right. And so the anger and the frustration from younger generations saying, you won't quit and you won't give me the job. Well, I'm not done with the job yet. You know, it's not that I'm holding on because I don't want you to have an opportunity. I'm holding on because I've got a lot of experience and I want to remain relevant. I want to remain active. I want to continue being productive and being a contributing member of society. I don't want to just sit and say, get off my lawn. (laughs) Right? So the world has changed. Our life expectancy has changed. Our expectations have changed. But we still are wired. We're hardwired because we grew up thinking we were working towards retirement. Right. And people wanted to retire and then they wanted to travel. They wanted to do other things. Well, Most of us, or many of us, at least the people in my community, we don't want to just sit and coast. We've still got stuff to do. Uh Uh-huh. That's fascinating. I never really thought of it that way. I love hearing that perspective. And it it makes sense. It's almost like your obligation to what you had to do in life is ending. And now you get to kind of choose what you want to do. Those are the... Where you kind of are meeting people, I see, right? Yeah, our child-rearing days are done. We've raised our kids. Might be involved in grandkids and stuff like that. That's a different set of responsibilities, et cetera. A lot of us still have parents alive, although we're definitely in a bit of the sandwich generation where we still have parents that we're doing a little bit of care for. But we just have an entirely different expectation, different outlook. And going from responsibility now to more of a passion project or more finding a way to give back, that's a big part of That's a big part of what the, uh, the I've got a community that I call the Gray Zone. And a which, podcast too, right? It's a podcast called Gray Matters. Gray Matters. Where, and what I do is I talk to baby boomers about the fact that they can pivot. A lot of us are being forced out of jobs. Now, let's not kind of sugarcoat it too much. That a lot of cases, there is ageism out there. I hear it all the time on my YouTube channel. I see people saying, you should be just shutting up because you're old and you, you have no and you have no place to be here. And I just look at them. Well, okay, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a healthy attitude. Uh, and I kind of have fun with it. But the bottom line is so many baby boomers think that the online space belongs to millennials. And somebody like me, who's gray bearded and makes my living on YouTube, I'm a bit of a unicorn. People have heard of me, but they've never actually seen one. So the entire premise behind Gray Matters is you can do this. This is not rocket science. We have the skills and and the internet doesn't belong to anyone. Social marketing, social media doesn't belong to anyone. We just have to carve out our space and understand it and not be intimidated by it and recognize that we have as much right to it as everybody else. And that gives the baby boomers then a chance to pivot and to reinvent themselves. And I call, I I, I use all of these little terms, but I also call us the gray wave because I think as more baby boomers recognize what the opportunities are online, that with our experience and our financial wherewithal, that we're going to have a substantial impact in the online space. And we're starting to see that happen. I mean, we certainly see it as far as advertising. Most people think that all ads are focused on millennials and stuff like that on YouTube and AdSense ads, but the ad rates when you target an older audience, go through the roof. The advertisers recognize where the economics still lie, that the baby boomers still hold the wealth and still hold the money. Now that is shifting. That is changing slowly and Gen X has slowly taken over, but there's still a lot of value in that generation. 
That is so fascinating. So I could actually have an hour long conversation with you on this, but I want to kind of point this and get your opinions on two things. So one on the boomers that are running a business, right? So we've got a lot of pet sitters and dog walkers running a multi six figure company, but having this friction when it comes to the tech or the social media. But then we also have everyone who's listening, they're all hiring. And I also want to talk to you about why boomers are awesome to hire. So let's first start off with like, you know, small businesses, you know, people trying to make a name for themselves online. Talk to me about best practices or your advice for the boomers that are listening right now saying, I just feel like I can't keep up with social. I I don't know where to go. This is all over my head or I don't make sense or I don't know how to connect. What are your thoughts? There's two things. And I think one thing that's even more valuable that you open the door to is where that generational friction occurs. Mm -hmm. is where baby boomers maybe have millennial or a a younger generation employees. And there seems to be more friction than we're comfortable with. Do you sense that? Do you get a sense of that? 100% both ways. Here's where that comes from. It comes from our generational values is the ones that we've had. So as a baby boomer, I'm going to tell you right now, the most value that I see in myself, the most healthy ego that I have is what I do. Mm-hmm. is I am proud of my experience. I'm proud of where I've been. I'm proud of the fact that I had a TV show for years. I'm proud of the fact that I have great employees. I'm proud, I'm proud of my experience. With all due respect, millennials often confuse experience with something you can search. Mm-hmm. I say I had a TV show for 20 years in Canada that was that was seen by millions of people. And a millennial goes, big whoop, I posted a video of my cat falling off the back of its couch and I got a million views. So what's so special about you? Now, another baby boomer who recognizes that I did this show says, wow, that was it. You were successful in a competitive industry. I've got respect for you. Yeah. It comes down to respect. And baby boomers don't feel they get the respect from the younger generation for our experience and what we've done because we think that you believe that you can Google it. And now that's a two-way street because we don't necessarily respect your capabilities because we think there's other kind of sacred cows of how baby boomers look at millennials. And I'm not going to roll out those tropes because you might find them insulting, but you know what they are. No, no, it's okay. That's where the, that's where the conflict occurs. I don't think it comes down to work ethic or any of the other things that people often think about. It comes down to our values and mm-hmm. it comes down to respect. Mm-hmm. And we want to be respected for the experience that we have. Yeah. Because that's a big part of who we are. That's really And cool. that's where I believe a lot of the friction occurs. Now, if you're talking about the challenges that you were mentioning of embracing technology, baby boomers are their own worst enemies here. We do resist change. That's human nature. And, you know, I mean, white male baby boomers are the worst, right? We're the classic, you know, I'm entrenched. These are the way things are. And change is bad because my life has been pretty good up to now. So dealing with change for us is incredibly difficult. But we dig in our heels. And we think that just because we did things one way, that it should be done. I always like to refer to uh, how we communicate. So baby boomers are probably more comfortable communicating by telephone. And we look at people that are texting or using instant messaging tools as not real communications. You can't build real relationships this way. We exhibit tremendous amounts of generational arrogance where we think the way we did things is best and we can't possibly do something this new way. It can't be as good. I think we have to take a step back and say, wait a minute, there are other ways. And you know what? If somebody's comfortable in the online space communicating back and forth and they want to book an appointment by texting, who am I to say no? That's what they're comfortable with. They don't necessarily like talking on the phone. That's okay. You just brought up a really good point. And it's something that we're actually talking a lot about in my mastermind as COVID is hitting us and how consumer behavior is changing. 
keep going on that because I think that giving people options isn't necessarily just about their preference, but as I'm hearing you, it's sparking this thing in my idea of reaching different generations. So, you know, the 32 year old new mom might want to text and get a pet sitter over there, but the baby boomer might want to talk to you on the phone. But if you were to talk on the phone with a millennial, they'd be like, uh, make an appointment. I can't believe you just called me. Right. So that's what I'm hearing. We have to be flexible. And and you're in a unique industry because as we get move more into the gig economy, I think that a lot of your labor force is going to be baby boomers. Yeah. But a lot of the store owners are going to be millennials. A lot mm-hmm. of the, the services. It's definitely already happening. And I see that a lot of people kind of miss out on going back to what you said, you know, the value and, and they want to feel respected for their experience that they've had. And, you know, I used to find those are the workers that you don't even have to worry about because they have that generally speaking, the stronger work ethic, you know, or they're going to really work to understand your business if have you present it right. Although if you don't have a strong business or present it right through manuals, training, all that stuff, they're going to also feel very lost and not connected with you. That's what I was going to say is if you are a millennial business owner and you're hiring baby boomers, you have to understand that historically we used to ship completed software. That's the best way I can say it. <laughs> I love it. You know, we grew up with an employee manual. Yeah. And with a job description that was detailed, that we worked towards and that we did. You can't see on the shelf, but I've got a bunch of software back there from when I started in the industry. And in the age of Google, which how long was Gmail beta? Eight years, you know, (laughs) did Google ever release a proper manual or a tutorial on how to use any of the tools? No, they just released the tool and let people kind of figure out. (laughs) That's not what we did. We wrote manuals. We proofread it. We printed it. To release a piece of software, we had to go to Goldmaster where we had to test it. There was none of this releasing beta versions online and then fixing it as people discovered mistakes. No, we had to figure out everything that went wrong in a piece of software with the current operating system and then entrench it all in disks for a three-month process of publishing, getting it duplicated and printed in in Asia before it was shipped across and, and to be released into the stores. We that is, finished things. You are like lighting my brain on fire right now because that is such a great example. Not only just a great example, but also ties into your YouTube channel, which I want you to tell us about too. But, you know, all these pet sitters, we, we, they start off with like handbooks and manuals, which my company actually sells, right? And then they go into video training, which my company also sells. We're actually coming out with something like that. Cool. But that's like why I imagine your channel is so amazing because your or giving the baby boomers that step-by-step because there is no, no direction book for them to open up. The direction book is your YouTube channel. Tell yeah. us more about that. The main channel is Dottotech, which is a how-to channel. And we teach two basic threads. We do productivity. So a lot on Evernote or Google Calendar and just basic productivity tools and apps. And people go there to say, oh, I didn't know you could do that. Or for basic tutorials, it's not really a training channel because we look at a one feature or one way of doing things. And I open your eyes to it so that you can figure out that it's possible to do those things. The other aspect is really content creation, which is a lot more of my passion. Um, Creating video, teaching people how to create content, how to be a creator of some sort. And so we follow those two kind of main themes. But I got to tell you that if I could find a way to charge for it, 
I could make a full-time living doing support, just answering questions. The number of questions people ask on YouTube that are so simple, people don't know anymore to look for the training and support materials that the companies do release. So you just said something that sparked my brain again, 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 Facebook Live. We're going to be able to start charging for our Facebook Live. So you might be able to do that. Your channel, I'm looking at it right now, the Dotto Attack, it only has, I mean, it's a very small one, only 294,000 subscribers. That's mm-hmm. incredible. And your videos, what's, I'm not even going to misspeak. Tell me like the most hits that you've got because these videos are. Oh, we've got videos with over a million views. And, you know, that, I mean, most of my videos. Solving probably- Wi-Fi issues, tips and tricks, 1 million views. Google Maps, 1.1 million views. I mean. Yeah. yeah. So th- those, are, those are the outliers. I mean, the average video is going to get between in the first month, which is kind of as long as I usually track. Mastering your AirPods. I love yes. this. Just, it's awesome. They oh, have done well. But the average one gets between eight and 12,000 views in the first month, which is good. I mean, if I concentrated more on doing the things to grow the channel. There's techniques that people can do that will cause their channels to grow much more quickly than mine. If you live in service of the algorithm, if you pay 100% attention to what the algorithm tells you in what the research and the analytics tell you, you could grow much more quickly. But I am old school. I'm a little more iterative. What informs me of what my community wants to see more of is comments. Yeah, I read every single comment on the channel, which now takes a lot of time. I don't necessarily get a chance to reply to everyone, but I do always give it a thumbs up and and the little happy face that you add to it. So people know that I've actually read the channel. And I think it pisses people off a little bit occasionally because they've asked me a simple question and I've just liked it. I haven't answered the question. (laughs) That's just because I don't have time. And sometimes I'm going, come on, you can figure that out yourself. And I just don't want to tell them. But the the magic of a tool like YouTube for Mm -hmm. me was I, I did television and radio for 20 years here in Canada. The, People who I served when I did television were advertising agencies and network executives. They were my customers. The people yeah. who watched my TV show were way down the totem pole as far as importance to me. They might have held a special place in my heart, but business-wise, I didn't serve them. I served the people who gave me the money to make the show. What show were you on just for our... It was called Dotto Tech, and it was, a, it was a syndicated TV show in Canada. We were on the air for just about 20 years, and it was on radio and TV. So it's the same type of content as I'm delivering now, a little more broad-based, a little more yeah. consumer-based, but the yeah. same basic thing. I did tutorials in tech, showing people how to use different technology, and our sponsors were Epson and Microsoft and Apple, and it was a good show. It was a great time, and I loved working with the team and the crew, but it's the type of content that shouldn't be on network television anymore. It should be on YouTube, so that's why we mm-hmm. transitioned. Yeah. But when I did that, those were my customers, the broadcast executives and the, and the advertising agencies and the sponsors. When you create content in a social platform like YouTube, your customer is your viewer. There's no middleman. I don't have to worry if Apple's pissed off at me because I said something negative about their product or I praised, you know, it doesn't matter. There's no sacred cows. Mm -hmm. So if you have a dialogue, an honest dialogue with your community, they will lead you to the promised land. I mean, I'm such a big fan of Marcus Sheridan. I don't know if you follow his stuff. Of course. Yes. He's one of my mentors. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, his such simple, simple, simple they ask you answer. And that's, that's what I started to do intuitively but I entrenched it when I read Marcus's book. When you read the comments from your community, they tell you what they want. Yeah, I'm sure it's in your business too. Absolutely. You I wrote 500 blogs in my pet sitting company because of that. 500. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They, they're always asking. 
It's just, yeah. we, we have to listen. Yeah. So that's what my YouTube channel is. At, at any rate, it's, it's there to answer questions and to help people along. And then from there, I transition them. I can get them interested if they're a baby boomer. I try and get them into Facebook, into the gray zone, or we get them on our newsletter. We also do one of the biggest things I do is I do a weekly webinar called Webinar Wednesday, where we do a free tutorial on some topic and it's free training. I'm very proud of it. We were up to 133 webinars where we've taught people all sorts every week. It's something new. And that's something that you register for. Of course, once you're there, you're on my mail list and then I can talk to you about other things. But yeah, we're, we're up to 133. So I'll get you to share that link. That'd be, the, that'd be the direction that we send people. This week, we're teaching people photo archiving, physical photos. Yes. Oh my gosh. My mom was doing that for like three months, but she was taking a picture of all of them. I don't even know what she was doing. It was, it was painstakingly like, but she won't listen to me. Well, well, we're going to teach you how to properly (laughs) remove those really old photos from photo albums so that you don't damage them, how to archive the photos and then how to organize them. We've got, we've got a woman that actually teaches other baby boomers now, I guess mainly where she teaches people how to be going to other people's homes and to take their collections of photos and to archive them. To be, a, to be a photo archivist, I guess is the term. That's incredible. You guys, you have to go check out Steve Dotto. I don't care what age you are. Even his website is so engaging. I loved reading your about me. It was, but it wasn't about you. You know, like you just have such a beautiful way of connecting and engaging with your audience, whether it's through written or through video. Like you are definitely a email that I would love to have in my email box. So I'm blushing now, but thank you. (laughs) I want to leave you with the final words here. Your best advice to a business, a millennial business owner, a boomer business owner, and where can my audience go to, to just get into your orbit? I think the best advice for every business owner right now is to just be open-minded. Don't sweat the small stuff. You know, and and that's very temporal right now. I mean, while we're going through this, but we're all in it together and there's no right way of doing these things. And and so criticizing somebody for doing something a different way, that's, that's the path they're on. So I I think giving each other a little bit more grace is what we really need a lot of right now, regardless of generation. And as far as finding me anywhere, just look for Dotto Tech. I will share the registration link for webinar Wednesday. We give them away for free. The uh, webinars are completely free and they're available for 48 hours after. So if you can't join us live, you can still see, watch the training for 48 hours afterwards. I like the sense of urgency there. Yeah. Well, then we archive them. We've got a Patreon following. Uh So then they're archived for our patrons. We have a wonderful support network on Patreon. Awesome. You guys, I only just learned what Patreon was recently. That is uh, when things are under lock and key, but you can make a donation to help the creator, basically. It's, it's, you know? it's really crowdfunding, like like Kickstarter, yeah. but for content creators. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. Steve, I could talk to you forever. Thank you so much for being on the show. I know that you've definitely inspired and motivated people. You guys, I would love for you to tag Steve or I after you're done listening to this and let us know what your biggest takeaway was. Because although Steve and I get a lot of fun out of sitting here, chatting. We do this also for you. So your feedback means everything to us. And I want you to also go ahead and subscribe. If you have not subscribed to Bella in your business, go ahead and check it out on your favorite podcast listening device and do it. And remember when life gets you down, always keep jumping. So what did you think? Did you love this episode? I sure hope you did because I put a lot of love into this for you. Uh, The best way you can show me that is by going to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcast and go ahead and leave a review. I just might read it on the next episode. I also want to remind you that when life gets you down, remember to always keep jumping. Thanks for listening.